Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, a podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen and for today's episode, let's conclude our conversation with Kate. Kate, welcome back to the People of Canterbury Baptist. Hello, thank you for having me back. Well, I'm glad you came back. I'm glad you didn't just run away and uh, and and not answer my phone call, so I do appreciate that. <laughs> Um, let's pick up your story from where we we left off last time. And really, I think at this point, we need to bring this strange guy called Brett into the picture. So how did you meet Brett? Uh, I met Brett through um, a school friend of mine, actually. In fact, um, I've probably known Brett. We've probably, we worked out we'd actually sort of had mutual friends since we were about 19. We'd probably been at a few of the same, you know, 21st and things like that and not really even known. Um, but I got to know him properly after my year overseas. I came back. Um, I was sort of a new, fairly new Christian and um, a, a friend of mine, a school friend, uh, she was looking for a church and she said, she said, look, I, you know, do you want to come and try some churches? And she knew Brett and she knew that he um, was now sort of living in Melbourne and hadn't really found a church. So she also asked him if he'd like to come along and we, you know, Checked out some churches together, so and then so Brett and I were friends for you know quite a few months, and then started um, dating. And um, because we were sort of still looking, we we're like, well, let's find a church we're both comfortable with. And um, we came along to Canterbury, and um, yeah, just both felt really ca- comfortable here. So that was back in two thousand and two. Um, so yeah, wow. So Canterbury, your, your connection to Canterbury Baptist Church is that it was your date church that you could both agree on. Yes. <laughs> Never thought of it that way, but yes, yes, we're both comfortable here. Yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, so at this point in your life, you're, you're re-engaging with faith after the experiences that we talked about last time as a 13 year old, and the, the disconnection you ended up having from church. So, what was it that that brought you to a sense of reconnection with your faith? Um, I did an Alpha course when I was at uni. I had a good a good engineering friend. Um, he was a Christian, and there was something different about him. I would say he had a different kind of I suppose perspective or peace. I don't know. Lovely guy, um, and a good friend of Rob Proctor's in the engineering world too. So, um, and he he invited me to do an alpha course, um, and he he was helping out on it. So I did an alpha course, and yeah, I reengaged um, with Christianity. Um, I think for me, the whole concept of Jesus being God was like oh like that kind of and and but that idea of having um, a relationship with God and I think for me too I think because I had shut off that part of my life of sort of losing a sister was this idea of like well God knew everything like it was kind of I don't know it was just like a ah oh, you know someone knows and understands and I don't have to explain it to anyone <laughs> um, and cares and I think with the suffering I really got to well, I care so much, like it's a problem for me. So if there is this loving God, like if he is loving or if God is loving, then how much more must God care? So that's kind of where I got to on that. And that maybe actually rather than just questioning it, I should try and do my bit to actually, you know, be loving and caring, you know, like that. So I had a different perspective on it is where I got to, I think, throughout that Alpha course, Yeah. It's interesting that the journey, because often the journey of suffering in, in 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 all of our lives can lead us to in different theological directions, if I could use that word. Anyways, different directions in our understanding of God and our sense of who God is and how important God is to our life. 
And it's interesting that for you, there was that sense where this, the suffering as a 13-year-old caused you to disconnect. Uh, but then as you reflected on that suffering, there was almost a sense where that same experience of suffering then became an avenue for you to reconnect and, I guess, assess and look at God through a different light. Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't confess to have worked it out. I think it's, it's horrible. I think humans are weird you know, they're capable of such love and such cruelty at the same time. Um, I, I don't I don't think I understand it. I don't I don't pretend to understand it, but I just I suppose I just go on to the idea. And I think when you know when you have your own children and you love them so much and you think, well if God loves us that much or more, you know, he cares. Like I think for me it was the idea that well as long as he cares about the suffering and I guess my prayer for people who really suffer you know, some people who have some horrific suffering through this Life, I think the thing that makes me feel better is I just, you know, I just pray that like when they get to heaven that, you know, God's there for them and they can be eased, you know. So that gives me comfort <laughs> somehow. Sometimes I say that like you better like make up for that when they get to heaven, God. Like I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know whether you're supposed to say that, but that's how I feel. So <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> sure it's fine. Um, so um. So for you with Brett, you ended up getting married. Yes, yep. And then you ended up, I think, overseas pretty quickly, didn't you? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, a few years. We were married for a few years and then we went overseas. So we were keen to have a bit of a – Brett had never been overseas and I, I was quite keen to travel. I'm like, come on, let's – you know, and he, he was interested for sure and um, we thought it would be, you know, good to do something before we sort of had kids and family. So – um, my work had offices um, over in the Middle East, um, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, um, and we went to. So we went to. We relocated with my work for a couple of years and went and worked. Um, yeah, I lived in Dubai. And um, so let's backtrack a step. Um, so you're now working as a civil engineer. Yes. In yep. in water. Yes. Specialising in that, um, and so there's an opportunity to go to go to Dubai. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, how many years did you live there? Two. We lived there too. We went there in the absolute boom and the GFC happened while we were there. Um, and and my my contract was for two years. We could have stayed longer, but we'd had enough, I think, by then. It was um, like a really good experience. For me, toughest in terms of work, just burnout. Like I was just working 12-hour-plus days for a lot of it um, and just I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> um, really interesting in terms of multicultural you know we had so many just in the building we lived in so many different cultures mixed together um much more confronting in terms of racial you know racial um differences like there really was a clear hierarchy of of race and you know being white we were fairly up high but you really you know it was it was really I think in Australia uh, um, not to say it's not here, racism isn't here, but it's a lot more. It's not 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 in the same overt way it was over there. And so I think I think in one way it was good in that you couldn't ignore it, whereas I think you can sort of forget things when you come back to Australia. We can be a bit isolated. Um, yeah. Um, so it was an interesting experience. Um, you know, Brett, you were called sir and ma'am everywhere and I know Brett found that really hard. I know I'm supposed to only be sharing my story but I just, he used to always just, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd they'd say hello sir and he'd go straight up and he'd shake their hand and say hello sir back to them, just that idea of like, well, you're much, you're the same, you know, you're, we're equal. It doesn't matter what race we are. So um, I loved the way he did that. Um, yeah. 
I think I think one of my key learnings from that was um, just acknowledging people, like the amount of people that got ignored if they were in that service industry. And actually, if you just bothered to acknowledge them and ask them how their day was, they, you know, just little things make a difference, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting. We, it was a great place to travel for. from. We did lots of travel, which was really nice and went camping in Oman and yeah, and probably good experiences in terms of our marriage. You know, we weren't, it was just the two of us on our own. So yeah. Um, yeah, so we did that for a couple of years and then came back. Amazing. So you come back, um, you you start to have uh, have children, and you begin to, to, to build a family and a, and a career, for, uh, life and a career for yourself here in Australia. Um, you, you mentioned to me before we started recording that, uh, that 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 during this time somewhere you started doing some theological studies that were quite that were quite compelling and interesting for you. Would you like, like to tell us a bit about your theological studies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when I was on. Um um, maternity leave with Alana just as a baby. Um, Keith Dyer ran an intensive um, subject. It was the intro to the New Testament just up at New Hope on some Saturdays. So there, I think there were four or five of us from Canterbury who who signed up and um, I really loved that. It was just, you know, um, I, I mean, you could uh, you could listen to Keith Dyer all day, couldn't you? He's it <laughs> fabulously engaging. So um, I just really enjoyed that, just understanding more about, you know, the Bible and the authors and just the history of that and just um, I think actually, again, and maybe this comes to my greyness, like even just looking at the Gospels and the differences and the similarities in different um, stories told. And just for me, I, I loved that um, because, you know, it was that idea of, again, how it can be relevant to certain audiences and certain communities and therefore it can be relevant, that idea of looking at and, well, how is it relevant for us today or for different communities or different people in different situations. So I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, and then a few years later when I was on mat leave with Hillary, I did uh, the pastoral care one at Whitley with Vicky Dyer actually. She was on, she had young kids too, so we loved meeting up once a week. We got two hours a week where we were kid-free and had a <laughs> cup of tea together and, and listened uh, to this subject. Um, and I think one of the key learnings for me for that was really that concept of agency and pastoral care, just being that idea of journeying with people. Um, and I loved, I think, one of the ways I sort of put it in terms of of thinking of things in terms of whether they're life-affirming or life sort of more destructive, like in those kind of, you know, rather than, again, so this is me with the black and white, not having these rules and regulations and feeling like you have to, you know, it was it was all about, um, yeah, just, you know, doing life with people and, 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 um, and listening to them, maybe offering perspectives if you can. But, I yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, it felt quite meaningful. Um, and then the third one I did, which was probably actually my favourite, was just the intro to theology. And it was with Jason Gorenzi, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved it because it was all about questions. And I think, and I don't know whether maybe because I have come from a non-Christian <laughs> background, like I just always found myself sitting with these, but what questions or, but I don't quite, you know, get this or, but what if... And, and I just loved it because it really encouraged that and actually was talking about how that's a really important task of theology and, and why it's important that we kind of do theology together um, because it is tricky and, you know, it is good to, to try and tease out those things. So, um, But I think, I think the, really, the really big thing that sat me with me was when we did a, the week on salvation and we did the story and it's one of my favourite stories in the Bible of the bleeding woman and how she comes 
and she's healed. And just we, we sort of just and again, it's to have that empathy of this lady who has been disconnected from society, as in uh, heaps of the stories, you know, where Jesus is healing people. They're all people who are disconnected from society. And so this concept of salvation is not just being this heaven and, you know, and hell thing at the end of life, but this concept of salvation being connection and reconciliation in the now, you know. And I think, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory is that the Greek, if you actually look at the Greek of that Bible story, is that the salvation is when they talk about salvation has come to you now, it's in the present tense. It's not some futuristic, you know. And I really see that I think, I think we can focus, or not focus too much, but maybe just not have on, on the death of Christ, but but forget about the life of Christ. And I really think that that's important. And I think when you when you see some of the issues and the way people are disconnected from church uh, in today's society, I I just find that really helpful to go. Well, hang on, like we should be about reconciliation. We should be about connecting people back to society. Um, and to me, that's you know, that's about the love and compassion. If you can have empathy from people um, and and meet them, because that's the other thing I feel, Jesus met people where they're at, you know, and so, you know, if we can meet people where they're at. Um, and, and I think that's a real challenge for the church. I think the church is a barrier for people meeting God. Mm. I really, I, I find that quite sad. And I think, I think there's, there's, there's valid reasons. I think what I've experienced within the church is, is heaps of love and, you know, when I when I had, you know, the kids and people making meals and checking in on me and stuff, like just it's just been this wonderful community and love. But I think for people who aren't part of that community, you know, the church can be very conditional in the love or feel like a very and I and I don't mean that by certain individuals, I just mean the church as a body or the church as an institution. Um, you know, it's not a necessarily a place of grace if you don't fit in or you have a messy life or you're, you know, living it differently and I think you know with all the abuse that's happened in the church and stuff it's almost like it's a barrier to that connection to God so I think that's a real challenge you know and that's something I suppose I'm mulling over (laughs) um but yeah how do you how do you provide that sort of reconciliation for people into community um so I think that's what I'm just trying to focus on like just being there for people you know oh I don't know I don't quite know how to articulate it. <laughs> I think you're doing very well. I think you're being very, very clear. Let me let me uh, see if I can draw some of the early th- thoughts out of your brain. So I appreciate what you're saying, that you're still in a process of processing this yourself and thinking through this. Do, do you have um, – uh, the question I want to ask, and I'll try it on you and, and see how the question flies, but – what to you? What to you would be the perfect church? What to you would be the church that is that is living the example of Christ in the way that 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 that, that you've been inspired by it? Um, what sort of images, or what sort of how does that look, or how does that interact in the world around you? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think I actually read. Um, I read a book. I read uh, the book Phosphorescence by Julia Baird earlier this year, and. And she she talks about some of her struggles um, with the conservative Anglican church in Sydney that she grew up in. And one of the things she says is just, like, I wish the church would just listen. Like, I wish they'd stop sort of sprouting about, you know, what you should be doing or whatever and just listen and, and, and hear what the world is saying and what people are saying and be able to empathise empath, empath, with them and then just get on the job of loving 
And I just really liked it. I was like, oh, that, you know, um, I mean, she articulated a bit ni- more nicely in her book. But, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the things Gordon used to say was maybe the church shouldn't focus on what it doesn't stand for, but what it does stand for. Um, and I know I know it's tricky, but, yeah, I don't, I, f- I feel like, so So for my long friends, they, they know I'm a, like long-term friends, they know I'm a Christian I, and, and, of course, it comes up. It's funny when I meet new people, it's like I don't want to say that I'm a Christian and I go to church and it's not because I'm ashamed of Christ but it's because I don't want them to think that I'm just, I I suppose that I'm going to judge them or that they can't come to me with any issue, you know, like I just, and I feel like, yeah, it's almost like we need a new word for church because I think when you put it in there, it puts these boundaries up straight away. So I think that's that's hard, that's something that I you know, but then I feel bad. And I mean, it does come out, but it's just, you sort of want people to get to know you before you then <laughs> admit that you're a Christian. I don't know. You might need to edit that bit no, out. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I think, I, um, I, I, honestly, I, I think that's true to an awful lot of people's experience, particularly in this day and age. And I've had conversations with other people here at, at Canterbury Baptist and they sh- they've shared similar stories. So, um, so you're not Robinson Crusoe. Um, and I do appreciate your reflection on this, the disconnect between uh, – I was attending a seminar this morning, and in the seminar they talked about the how um, for about the last 100 years the church has developed its own knowledge economy that's com- that is by and large completely separate and disconnected to the wider world's knowledge economy. And now we've got to a point where we could almost can't communicate to each other because our entire world of knowledge is now so separate from each other and has developed down such separate paths that it's very hard to actually see how these two worlds can come together. And and so with that image in my brain and then listening to you speak, I guess what I'm hearing you saying is, is that you – you're sort of living consciously in the tension of that. I think some people grow up in church and they live in church and they they live within the knowledge and the vocabulary and the experience of church. And for them, it just feels natural and normal and they can't believe that anyone else wouldn't feel comfortable here. But of course, you've you had a different experience and I think your experience is very important for us to hear. So I'm appreciating that you're talking to us about it because you're living in that tension of going, actually, the church world is far more disconnected from the world around us than what we want to admit to ourselves that we are. And you're sort of standing in a place where you can see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> that wasn't a question and my apologies. That was, <laughs> no, that was a piece right. of commentary on my part. <laughs> Happy for the commentary, yeah. Um so um so for you, I, I, I um I guess guess for me as a as a as a pastor and I guess for us as a church, um do you have do you, do you have some thoughts? Like let's let, let's actually be practical for a minute. Let's talk. You've been here at Canterbury Baptist Church for twenty years. Let's be practical for a minute. What are some things that you would love to see us as a church do, or change, or shift, or adjust that you think actually for my friends and for the people I would love to have an experience of Christ? It would be so much more helpful if we as a church were seen to be or were able to do certain things or, or maybe not do certain things or shift certain things? Are, are, there, are there ideas you have or opportunities you see that where that, that knowledge gap can begin to be crossed? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I had some better ideas because I, I would be happy to be doing them. I think that's where I get a bit lost is I'm like I'm actually not sure, you know, what the church can be doing. In one sense I feel like, 
I just, yeah, well, I don't know. Like you almost need to dr- <laughs> drop the word church in some of your things that you do. But then you lose the, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how you could do that either. So I I don't know. I, I think that's where I become quite stuck and where I feel stuck at the moment is I don't know how to reconcile the two, those two quite separate. Yeah, and I don't know that I would necessarily be that comfortable asking, like I have LGBTI family members and friends and I'm quite protective of like, you know, I'm I don't, not sure that I would necessarily want to um you know, invite them to a church because you're not sure of some of the judgment and, mm. and sort of shame they'd be faced with. So I find that really tricky too. Um, but I know there are welcoming spaces and welcoming churches and stuff, but you just, you know, you're wary. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wish I had some good answers for you, but I, I think that's where I feel stuck. And in, in my faith journey too, it's like, well, what do I do now? Like, where where do you go with it? So if others have answers, please come and talk to me. <laughs> Absolutely. This is an invitation. Let's start a church conversation around these things. I think that's really, really important and really valuable. Um, so um, just just to draw this to a close, let me see if I could finish on a slightly happier note. Um, so um, so um, what does Jesus mean to you? As you think of Jesus now, even, even with all the complexities and all of the other stuff rattling around your head, you still show up at church. I still hear in you a voice of a person who is engaged by faith, engaged by Jesus. There is a connection there. The, you speak, you speak um, somewhat glowingly about this idea of relationship with Jesus. So there is a connection there. At the heart of your connection, what, what is that connection with Jesus? Oh, I think it. <laughs> I think it very much stems from that idea of love, of 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 allowing people to feel loved, even if they don't in this world, you know, or if they have broken relationships. So that idea that that there's something bigger, and that something bigger is love, and that something bigger loves them, and then that that motivates others, you know. Like to me, I suppose to me, the ideal church is where we're actually trying to reconnect. Like, you know, like I think God, we, we often think about, you know, and become Christians that we're reconciled to God. But I think it's just, I think, you know, it says love God and love others everywhere. So it's not just reconciliation to God, it's reconciliation to one another. You know, in whatever diverse, you know, ways that sort of forms. But just, you know, to me an ideal world would be if if everyone could feel loved and if everyone could feel connected in some way. Um yeah, so that's, yeah. Kate, that, I think that's a perfect way to finish our conversation. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being just so open, so honest. We really appreciate that. I'm sure people at Canterbury Baptist are going to be inspired and challenged but also encouraged just to hear your story and, and to, to hear your reflections. And hopefully it does open a conversation. It's Part of my motivation for starting this podcast was I was having these conversations with people all the time and then they would tell me, but, you know, I'm the only one who thinks thinks these things or words to that effect. And I'm kind of going... No, you're really not. There is, you know, there are a lot of people in our world right now, a lot of people in our church right now who are experiencing these things and reflecting on these things. So I appreciate that, that you've come and been a voice, and I'm sure others would, would have been encouraged and challenged to have, to have heard what you've said today. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who was tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterrybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Kate directly and thank her for her contribution today. The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from the album Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. 
Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist. Mm-hmm.